Actually, you know, the, the, the greatest uh, author of the 12th century was a monk called Thomas Aquinas. He wrote more than anyone else did. Am I okay here with my mic? Is it down a little bit? No problems. How's that? Is that better? That's good. Awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Chris. Thomas Aquinas, 12th century monk, wrote more than anyone else did in the 12th century. He wrote loads. And a lot of it was really good stuff as well about why there's a God and how there has to be a God. Three days before he died, he had a vision of heaven. And he came, he, he came back from his vision of heaven and he said, everything I've written is just like straw. There's no point in reading it. And that's how I feel about preaching today. I feel like I've touched heaven during the worship. <laughs> Nothing to say, but I'll do my best. Amen. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Um, it's been quite interesting going up to Nuneaton every Saturday. We've had a few people come, who, uh, a lady last night come, who was part of this church when we first moved into the cinema. And so we were in screen seven when we started, and that's quite a small screen. Then we got to a larger screen. Now we're in this is the third screen we've been in, and uh, I believe we're going to outgrow this screen by the end of this year and have to move to screen one, the larger screen, and then we're going to have to buy a building. And so... In our first few weeks in the cinema, we'd just moved into the cinema, we'd been there maybe three or four weeks, and things were very tight financially for us at the church, it was a lot of money to be here, and different things were going on. A couple came to me after the service and said, we're going to give Tree of Life Church a million pounds. And I was very excited, I wasn't thinking in millions like I am now, I could barely believe that number as a number back then, you know, thinking of a thousand pounds was a big gift to me back then, and I thought, that's amazing. So I said, how did you make your millions? And they said, we haven't got a million, but we, we play the lottery. And they did. They played the lottery a lot. And they were convinced they were going to win the lottery. And then they were going to give the church a million. God had told them they are going to win the lottery and give the church a million. So I went home, and I don't normally do this. The only time I ever check anyone's giving is when they want to have a word with me about something going on in the church. You know? I want to have a word with you, Pastor. Okay, well... Let's see if you're in living church every week. Let's see if you serve. Let's see if you're here early. Uh, let's see if you give. And anyway, I checked out. I found out this, this, the, 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 not only was this couple not tied us to the Tree of Life, they'd never put a penny in any offering we'd ever had. And so why am I saying that? Because these people have never read Luke 16, verse 10. They never listened to what Janet said. God wants us to be faithful in what we have. And when we're talking about immense images and dreaming big and really talking about huge things, that's awesome. But it's not a case of, and I'll be a good Christian and be faithful when I get there. We have to start today with what we have in every area of our life. And Luke 16 verse 10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in much. And he that is unjust in least is unjust in much. And this couple were doing to an extreme, to the point it's almost humorous, what a lot of us do to a level, we don't give and serve and love and help when times are tough. Because we don't feel we have enough to give away. And then we go, well, when things go better, I'll be more generous. When things go better, I'll be at church more. When things go better, I'll be involved more. And the Bible says that's not what's going to happen. The Bible says if you are faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. And I believe the Bible. Okay, I believe what the Word of God says. And so if you have a heart for giving, and someone gives you ten pence, you'll give off that ten pence. And God will look at you, give off that ten pence, and God will go, I can trust this person with great things. And you will end up having a life where you have the honor and joy of giving to God all your life. If you serve God and you drive five-hour round trip like we did last night to preach to a dozen people, you'll not want for audiences for the rest of your life. Don't wait for the blessing 
to start living the kingdom principles. And you see, you start living by kingdom principles right now. How many of you know God is here right now? He was and is and is to come. So right now we are and he is. So let's do something for him today. Let's invest today. And I'm talking particularly about finances, but it covers every single area of your life. Serving, loving, helping, forgiving. Don't wait to be rich before you start living kingdom principles of finances. You know, you can tithe whether you've got 100 pounds or a million pounds or 10 million pounds. You can tithe wherever you are. And if you can't tithe when you have a little bit, you won't be able to tithe when you get a big bit. All Roberts talked about a young boy who was 17 years old. He was earning $70 a week and he was sweeping floors in a company office. And he started giving and tithing to all Roberts and he would follow all Roberts around and he was in all Roberts church. And this guy, because of the favor of God in his life, because of constant giving and because of other principles, he got promoted in that company very quickly. He was very good at sweeping. And so they promoted him. And eventually, at the age of 25, he was the youngest, um, I think it was marketing officer. We had a CEO title. He was the youngest um, CEO that company had ever had. And he was earning $7,000 a week now. And so he went to Oral Roberts. He said, would you please pray for me, Oral, because I'm really struggling to write a check for $700 every Sunday. It's a lot of money. And I'm struggling to write a tithe check for $700 every Sunday. Would you please pray for me? And Oral Roberts put his hand on the man's head and said, Lord, reduce this man's income to a level he's happy to tithe from. (laughs) You see, when you start having more money, giving more money actually gets harder, not easier. Because it's more money. It takes more energy to move it. And so we have to start living by kingdom principles. Now last week we established in the word of God that God has given every one of us the power to get wealth. Amen. And we established that the purpose of the power is the covenant. To get that covenant of God across the world. We need to let the whole world know who Jesus is. He's paid the full price for our redemption. That anybody, anybody can be redeemed and rescued. From any mess they're in, just by believing in Him. The world needs to know how good God is. We need to tell them. We need to let the world know about the blood of Jesus and the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we also need to let the world know that their covenant has the power to get wealth. So a lot of people out there would like to know that. They're struggling. So we find out about the covenant. We find out that part of our covenant is the power to get wealth. We use that wealth to establish the covenant. And then they find out that the covenant has the power to get wealth. They get that established in their heart. Then they use their wealth to establish the covenant in other people. You see how we can change the whole world? And we've got to understand this. And that's how God started the whole thing off. Just turn to Genesis 12 for a minute. Remember Abraham? Well, this is when he's still called Abraham. Before he got the ha in his name Abraham Genesis chapter 12 you'd think find Genesis 12 would be quite easy wouldn't it you just sort of start at the beginning but Genesis 12 now the Lord said to Abraham this is verse 1 go from your country go from your kindred go from your father's house to the land I will show you and I will make of you a great nation I will bless you and I will make your name great So God is giving Abraham three parts of a deal here. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make your name great. That's all part of the blessing of Abraham, which we know, according to Galatians 3, is ours. Yes? So God's going to bless you. He's going to make your name great. 
They should make you a great nation. Okay, that's good. But what's our part? What's our part? I already read it. Stop making money the way everyone else does. Get out your father's house. You see, back then, how did you make money? Father's house. Nobody went off for a year to India to find themselves back in Abraham's day. What are you going to do when you grow up? Well, let me see. Dad's a silver worker. I'm going to be a silver worker. That's how it was. And your prosperity, your income, your customers, everything was what your dad did. When they met Jesus in Nazareth, is this not the carpenter? Is this not the carpenter's son? Well, of course he's the carpenter's son if he's a carpenter. That's how you become a carpenter. How else are you going to become a carpenter? And so when he says to Abraham, I want you to become an immigrant, I want you to go leave your country, leave your family, and leave your father's house, that's something that's really, we don't understand because of the culture we live in, we don't understand the weight of that. We don't understand that there wasn't a, you know, he couldn't go get a few shifts at McDonald's, he couldn't go get a cleaning job, he couldn't go and get something to supplement his income in another country. And most of these countries, you study ancient history, they they were not happy to have people from other nations come and live in their nation. Some of you might have um, listened to my message on Joseph and Mary when they went to Egypt when Jesus was a baby. Joseph was not allowed to work in Egypt. Because Egypt had a policy that no foreign-born person was allowed to have a job in Egypt and was allowed to buy or sell in Egypt. They could buy, they couldn't sell. So you imagine, Abraham, where am I going to go? You know, I, I, I would personally would have liked a bit more information than a land I will show you. Okay? So you, you, your, your job is to stop doing things the way everyone else does things, get blessed, and then what? Be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In other words, the blessing isn't so you can say I'm blessed. The blessing is for you to say I'm a blessing. And it's great being blessed, but we need to go beyond being blessed and be a blessing. It's great when your cup starts to get full, but we need to get to cup running over. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And I mean, here's the truth which we haven't really understood. How can I be a blessing if I'm not blessed? How can I help someone else cheer up if I'm depressed? How can I help someone else walk in victory if I'm defeated? You know what Peter said in Acts chapter 3 when he pulled that crippled man up? He said, such as I have, I give to you. I've got so much healing power, I can give some away to you today. Oh, Peter, surely we should just ask Jesus. No, you've got something. And that man didn't have the power to walk, and Peter gave him the power to walk. When I'm talking about being blessed here, I know that you can wheedle your way around this and use it as an excuse to be carnal and greedy and selfish. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about blessed to be a blessing. Overflowing and helping others. James chapter 2, don't turn there just for the sake of time. In James chapter 2, James asks this question. Now, James is one of my favorite books of the Bible because James was a pastor. And he was writing to his own congregation. He's writing to people he's going to see again every week. You know, it's just... Easy to be a traveling speaker. You get to run away before they pick up the stones. When you're pastoring, you've got to say the same thing every week. It's got to work. It's got to manifest. And he says this, James 2 verse 15. If a brother or sister, that's someone in the church, is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, What good is that? 
if you do not give them the things they need for their body. In other words, for you to say, well done, go in peace, bless them, I bless you, my child, with good clothes, you're wasting your time. Go and buy them a suit. Go and take them out for dinner today. That's how blessed we should be. And how many of you know you can't do that unless you have more than enough? So God wants to bless us so we can be a blessing. Listen, I believe in laying hands on people. I believe in making declarations. How many of you know we have declarations? We believe in the Word. Every one of us should be speaking the Word more than we speak the Word. Amen? But in that situation, when someone comes to church and they clearly need a bath and a dinner, we shouldn't be saying, I bless you, my brother. You understand? So we need to be so blessed, we can be a blessing to that kind of person. God wants you to have the wealth to bless others. If I've got enough extra food to feed one person, I can feed one person. If I've got enough extra food to feed 100 people, I feed 100 people. If I've got enough extra food to feed 1,000 people, I can feed... So the more blessings I have, the more people I can help. Is everyone with me here? And God said to Abraham, I want you to be a blessing to every family on the earth. That's a lot of food. Some very hungry people on the planet. There's people right now on the planet who have malnutrition. I know it's difficult for some of us to understand. I don't just mean they couldn't have dessert. Okay, I don't just mean they couldn't have a a second cheeseburger with a Happy Meal. I mean they're actually sick. Their own body's fighting against them because they don't have the right food and enough food to eat. And we need to do something about that. But how can we do something about that unless we're blessed? And, and every lost person, forget food for a second, but every lost person needs the greatest blessing of all. They need to know God loves them. They need to know Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for them. Jesus has solved the sin problem. And you can believe and be born again. And every, I, I believe every lost person on the planet has the God-given right to expect the good news from us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And that son is ready to receive you right now. And anyone who comes to him, he will in no ways cast out. And so the church needs to wake up, stop trying to be a bless me, bless me, work out how to be so blessed we're a blessing. We need to jump up a level and have big images. Now, if you're sitting here and saying, this is beyond me, or maybe you say, man, I just want to stay at my level, and I don't want to be so blessed enough to bless others. No, that's fine. In fact, Jesus said that was fine in John 12, verse 8. He said, you'll always have the poor around. And this is, this is actually good news for me, because... You get blessed. There's always someone who needs blessed. There's always someone around who needs blessed. There's always someone around who needs you to bless them. There's no sure. Listen, if you're going to believe God for a great big pie, there's going to be someone who wants a piece of your pie. It's okay. You're, going to, you're not going to run out of mouths to feed in this lifetime. I would love to be at that place. Lord, we've fed everybody. We've done it all. And what I want, though, what I want to provoke you all is that the change I want to make is to get on the blesser side. Not on the bless me side, the blesser side. I'm blessed. If I'm blessed, I'm going to bless people. I've got the blessing of Abraham on my life, and I believe there's a people rising up. I believe that something's happening. People are going to understand abundance is part of our covenant, it's part of our blessing, and we're going to become violent against poverty thinking. We're going to get into abundance, and therefore, not for carnality, but to bless everyone everywhere we go. We're tithing into local church. We're giving to gospel ministries. We're giving to teachers who teach the covenant. Giving to world mission. Changing the world. That's the team I want to be on. 
And the good news is this, as long as I keep seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to me. But if I start seeking things, there's no promise I'm going to get the kingdom and no promise I'm going to get the things. But if I seek the kingdom, I get the kingdom and the things. And what I want to address today, what I really want to talk about today to help you get there, um, last week we talked about breaking restraint, didn't we? And uh, thank you so much, everyone, who contacted me to let me know how much that blessed them. It really helped me. Because I, I feel I'm going at a pace that's too fast for me at the moment. So heaven knows what everyone else is going through. But I want to talk about something that's so important today, that's patience. Listen to me. Write this down if you're taking notes. Faith alone is not enough to walk in this level of abundance. You must have patience. Hebrews 6 verse 12. See that you not be slothful. That's King James for lazy. Make sure you're not lazy. Don't be lazy. But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise of God. Who wants to inherit the promise of God? You need faith and patience. Okay. Now why do we need faith and patience? Because life is seasonal. Okay. Now, we want to have immense images, like you have immense images, we want to dream about big things, about big dreams. We want to start on that path of being so blessed, I can be a blessing. That takes time. One of the things that God hardwired into the universe is this. Seed, time, and harvest. Okay? Seed, time, and harvest. And we normally hear that in our mind as two seasons, seed, time, and harvest. But I want you to think of it as three seasons. Seed, time, and harvest. Because that's how it works. Seed time takes faith. Seed takes faith. If God says to you, give a thousand pounds in the offering, and you've barely got a thousand pounds, it takes faith to put that in the offering. It takes faith. Okay? God says to you, I want you to be here, and be at this meeting, and go to this place, and you go to that place. It takes faith. You're walking down the street and God says, I want you to talk to that person. I want you to pray for that person. I want you to speak to that person. It takes faith. Amen? Seed takes faith. Time takes patience. In the planting season, we have faith. And then in the waiting season, the growing season, we need patience. We need to let it grow. Things take time to grow. And then when you have the reaping season, harvest, faith, you need faith for seed. Patience for time for harvest, you need work. When the harvest comes, you've got to put the work in. Okay, we drove up to Nuneaton. There was 13 people there last night. And it was a glorious meeting. But how many of you know, at Nuneaton, we're at the seed stage. And it's patient. We need a lot of patience. We're, we've sown the seed. We've spoken the word. we started the church. We're going there every week. But you know what? Imagine me and Amanda got there next Saturday, and there's 100 people there. That's harvest. We'd have to work harder. 100 people's 100 problems. <laughs> some have to work harder. And some of you are believing for things, you don't realize it's hard work. So the year before we moved to London to start Tree of Life, and we moved here to start Tree of Life, that's why we moved. The year before we moved, Amanda and I sowed the largest seed we'd ever sown. And at that time, this is about 13, 14 years ago, we sowed, it was the first time we'd ever sowed a thousand pounds. We gave a thousand pounds to ministry. Looking back at that time, I don't think either of us could really believe we were doing it. We were in the meeting, and we were probably carried away by the meeting, but we knew God had told us to do this, and we, we gave that gift. 
And we were in London. And we knew we were sowing the seed for London. So we were in a London meeting. And as we gave the seed, God said, this seed is for a house to live in in London. Because I want you to live in London to start the church in London. I want you to start. And so we lived in Suffolk. If you haven't noticed, house prices are not the same in Suffolk and Dagenham. Okay? And so we didn't know how we were going to move. We didn't know how it was going to happen. And uh, I was a school teacher back then. And what happened was there was a scheme came available for part by at, at, at reduced rate houses for school teachers. And we had a problem because the scheme ended on 31st of July. This is 15 years ago now. August. No, it ended on 31st July. I st- no, you're right. It ended on 31st of August. The man's right. The scheme ended on the 31st of August. That was the day the scheme ended. And I started work as a teacher in London on the 1st of September. So I was not eligible for the scheme. So I went to my employers and I said, could you just give me a new contract that says I start 31st of August? You don't have to pay me anymore. But as long as I'm a contracted teacher on the 31st of August, I can get in the scheme. No, we're not going to do that. Please? No, there's just absolutely no movement. You know, there's a mindset when people work for the council. And so then I went to the scheme. I said, can we extend it by one day? Can we do this? Can we do that? Is there anything we can do? No. Can I speak to your boss? Okay, but he'll say the same. He said the same. Can I speak to your boss? And in the end, I ended up speaking to the boss's 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 boss. And uh, he was Ghanaian. You got any Ghanaians in the room today? Awesome. Wonderful. Anyone? No? Someone over here. Praise God. Praise God for Ghana. And he was Ghanaian. And I'd just come back from Ghana preaching. So when he answered the phone, I said, hi there. I can hear your Ghanaian. He's like, how do you pick out a Ghanaian accent as a white man? How do you know? I said, I don't even just know you're Ghanaian. I said, you're a shanty. He's like, man, you're good. I said, I've just come back from there. I've just spent a week preaching in his high school. (laughs) And so we got talking. And at the end of the conversation, he said, I can't do anything about this but I can put you at the top of the list if anyone drops out. He says, now that sounds like a favor, but it's not a favor because nobody ever drops out. Okay, I I said, they'll drop out for me. (laughs) And what happened was, was we got near the time, what happened was, there was a guy, to get the four-bedroom house, we're in a four-bedroom house. To get the four-bedroom house, remember 15 years ago, our children were 15 years younger. To get the four-bedroom house, you had to have children. And one of the guys had invented children. (laughs) To get on this scheme, he invented children. He was a policeman, but he invented children to get this house. And so they phoned me up and said, we've had to kick someone off the scheme, but if you can prove you have four children, if you can bring me the birth certificates today, you can have one of those houses. I turned up with all four birth certificates and all four children. I brought them all. They're real. Look, they're here. I told them, I said, you know what I tell you to behave really well when we go places? Not this time. I want you to crawl all over this guy. I want you to be on the phone. I want you to be everywhere. I want to know we've got these. We're still living there. Next month, listen, 15, next month we pay the mortgage off for our share. It took time, so it took patience. Not everything worth building can be built in one day. And so we have to realize that when we sow the seed, there's time and then there's harvest. And guess what? When we had to, when we got the harvest, it was hard work. It's hard work to move houses. 
She puts this hard work. And then buy furniture and do this and do this. And suddenly you're the homeowner for the first time. You can't phone your landlord. You've got to fix the boiler yourself. and do. Th- what? It's hard work. Whenever you get a harvest, it's hard work. So seed time, I need faith. Or seed, I need faith. Time, I need patience. And when the harvest comes, you need to work. If you understand that, you'll understand the principle of how the universe works. And if you don't work at harvest time, you'll lose the harvest. Everything that's going on in my life right now, the fact that I pastor 10 churches, the fact we're going to have another 10 locations by the end of this year, the fact that Gangster City's going on in a few weeks, it's going to be glorious. Heal the nations, everything that's going on with the TV ministry, all the salvations and healings and miracles we're seeing, everything traces back to that day where me and Amanda put a thousand pounds in the offering. I'm not going to have another offering today, so don't worry. I had next to nothing, but what I did have was seed. And because I was faithful with the little things, we're just on the edge here of dealing with about a million pounds a year at Tree of Life. And you know what? I'm still generous now as I was then. And if I wasn't generous then, I wouldn't be generous now. And so you might say, I don't have much. Well, be generous and faithful with what you have. And again, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about every aspect of your life. Be generous and faithful with what you have. You'll find out we've got God of abundance. The God of harvest is on your side. He's on your side. He loves you and he wants you to win. Let's look at what Paul says at Seed Time and Harvest. This is 2 Corinthians 9. I'm going to read it from my notes because I've got it in the New Living Translation here. 2 Corinthians 9, reading from verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who only plants a few seeds will only get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. But don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Now listen to this. Then you will always have everything you need, blessed, and plenty left over to share with others to be a blessing. It's the same thing. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's the legacy I want to leave on this planet. For God is the one who provides seed for the sower and then gives bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity inside you. So what's the first thing God does in that deal? He gives seed to the sower. The first thing God does in your life when you want to walk in abundance of blessing is give you something to sow. If you don't have something to sow, maybe you're not a sower. Because the Bible says God gives seed to the sower. When Amanda and I first moved to Wales, we'd just finished Bible college, watching all our peers get churches, get ministries, and starve doing stuff. And we were offered 17 different churches by the denomination we were trained with. And we'd go there and we'd preach. We couldn't get peace by any of them. We were the first couple in decades to be offered evangelistic ministry straight from Bible college. Couldn't get peace about it. They said, you can even raise your own offerings. Couldn't get peace about it. Couldn't get hold of it. And then God spoke to us and said, move to Wales. So we did that. And we joined Ray Bevan's church, and it was awesome. We had a great time. There was probably a couple of thousand people on most Sundays. And praising. It was wonderful. We learned a lot. But I was unemployed. And we moved to Wales when Chorus closed down, which is the steelworks. So I'm in a town now where there's 8,000 unemployed people. And I'm trying to find work, and I've got a degree in philosophy and theology. They weren't, they weren't being the door down. 
So we've got nothing. We've literally got no money at all. I don't know how to express how we had nothing. And one day we're at a conference and there was a Kenyan preacher there, Margaret Wanjiro, and she was preaching. And in the middle of her preaching, she decides to take a special offering for Ray. And so she starts to take the special offering and I've got nothing to give. There's, I literally have nothing. I don't know. I was, you know, it's not I'm holding back here. I literally have nothing. If I had five pence, I'd have put five pence in that offering. And I, I started to cry. And I'm not trying to overdramatize this. I'm just telling you what happened. Because I wanted to bless Ray so much. And I wanted to give him that offering. And as I sat there, I started to cry. A man and I was sitting there. A lady tapped me from behind. She said, excuse me. She said, I have to give you this right now. And it was a 50 pound note. And the bucket came by and I put the money, all the money. I didn't even question about, you know, trying to hold back something. God gives seed to the sower. Within two weeks, I got my first job. Flipping burgers at McDonald's, £4.10 an hour. I was actually better off on benefit. But you know what? Within a year, I was running the shop. (laughs) God wants to favor you. God wants to get you where you're going. God wants to get you where you're going. But there's a sowing time and a reaping time. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that is what he shall also reap. So there's sow, then there's, that's your seed, shall also, time, reap, harvest. Notice the sowing seasons, not the reaping season, there's a time between the seasons. And what do we need in the time between the seasons? Patience. Now by patience, I don't mean like, I'm at the end of my patience, that kind of waiting around for something to happen, patience. The word patience in Greek means to be consistent no matter what's going on around you. So faith opens the door. By stripes I'm healed. Patience keeps the door open. No, I'm still healed. No, I'm still not going to be moved by what it looks like. No, I'm still not going to move by what it feels like. No, I'm not going to be moved tomorrow if this thing's still around. I'm still healed. I'm still blessed. I'm still highly favored. I'm still what the word says I am. Faith opens the door, but patience keeps that door open. And we need to follow those, talking about people like Abraham, people like Paul, who, in the word of God, by faith and patience, inherited the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God's our inheritance. We should live a kingdom life, seek first the kingdom. So when it comes to immense images, faith is using the word to paint the immense image, the image of victory in your imagination. Patience is getting up and still having the same image tomorrow when everything looks the same. You stand on that image. I will not be moved. I will stand, and having done all to stand. Until when? Until harvest time. And my harvest might take longer than yours, and yours might be springing up in your face, but I'm not even moved by your harvest. I'm waiting, because God promised me, if I sow, I shall reap. And you've got to open your eyes. God has given every one of us in this room the three greatest gifts you can imagine. He gave them to Adam and Eve when they were created. He said, I give you seed. Every seed is yours. God has given all of us the gift of seed, the gift of time, and the gift of harvest. But we have to learn how to use those gifts so we can walk in abundance. I don't think many of us here can say, I'm so blessed right now, I've got enough for everything I need. And I'm not sure as many people here say, I'm so blessed, I can just bless. But everyone here has enough to sow. Everyone here has something you can sow, and if you sow well, God will give you the seed, and you'll have the time, and you'll get the harvest. Amanda and I went to America a few years ago, and we didn't have the money to go. We booked the flights, but we just, the, just the tree of life finances just seemed to crash. We went, we went with Richard and Jackie. This is before Richard and Jackie were working full-time for the church. 
And so I sat down with Rich and Jackie and said, we're going to go to the States, by the way, but we're going to live by faith when we go there. And we're going to spend a weekend with Dwayne Sheriff, and then we're going to go to Andrew's conference, and I was going to preach in another church. Um, can't remember where the other church was. We're going to preach somewhere. And I said, I paid for all the flights. but we, And Richard just got, I said, Ben, I've got the money. I've got the savings. So it's no problem. So I said, no, it says the church is taking you. It's a pastor's conference to teach you and equip you. So the church is, not, is going to pay for it. We need to believe God for it. And so we went to Dwayne's service on the Sunday. We flew there, went to Dwayne's service on the Sunday. And there was a young man there who gave me $100 when we walked in the room. Just came up and gave me $100. You know that Pentecostal handshake you get? There you go. Thank you. Now, how many of you know $100 is not going to look after four adults for 10 days? So guess what? That's not my need. That's my seed. So what did I do? I sold my seed. The offering bucket went past. $100 ran in the bucket. God provided the money to pay for that hotel that night. And then we flew to Colorado. Not Colorado. To, to, yeah, flew to Colorado for Andrew's conference. I walked in the door of Andrew's conference. And Dennis Capra came out. He says, Ben, there's a guy here who really wants to meet you. And Dennis Capra introduced me to this guy I'd never met before. And this guy said, I follow you on TV. You're one of my, my, you really helped me. And he gave me $2,000 there and then. Covered everything. By the time we got home, suddenly the tree of life finances had all shot up and everything was fine. Maybe I should go away more often. <laughs> but it was just the seed was there. And if you get the money and it's not the need, then maybe it's the seed. And you've got to ask God those questions. The gospel is going to go into all the world. When I'm talking about, you know, when I'm talking about prosperity, listen, listen to me. How many of you know media ministries need a lot of money? How many of you know Christian TV ministries need a lot of money? How many of you know Bible colleges need a lot of money? How many of you know world mission needs a lot of money? But the truth is this. God, in this age, what he wants above everything else is strong, healthy local churches. With Christians who know God's given me the power to get wealth, and we're going to bless every family, starting where? In our Christian communities with our churches. Reaching our community with the gospel, meeting their needs. The gospel going to all the world through TV and ministries, and that's absolutely fine, and I'm glad about that, and I'm part of that. But there's no substitute for a healthy local church. And that's why we are committed at Tree of Life to planting more churches. No one more than an hour's drive from a Tree of Life church. Churches in the cities, churches in the town, churches in the country, blessing every family. And I believe that's the purpose of Tree of Life. But guess what? You can't do that in a day. It takes patience. We need to get violent and believe the dream, believe the image. Some of you need to take that week off work and go to Gates of the City and just get the word of God fed into you. I don't think there's anybody better at teaching on the grace of God than Greg Fritz at the moment alive on planet Earth. That's a wild statement to make, isn't it? That's my personal opinion. You can disagree with me, but you know you, you need to be there. I believe we spent more time in the Word and less time plugged in the world that our mission would just increase. In every area. Now, I know that a lot of us in the room probably have different theologies on what's going to happen at the end of time and the end of days. We've got different end time theologies. And that's fine. I don't mind that at all. But I think we can all agree that if Jesus says something, it can't be broken. And in Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end shall come. If you want the end to come, you want to get the whole church to heaven quicker, we've got to get the gospel out to everyone. We've got to get the gospel out to all the nations. We've got to do what God wants us to do and reach the nations. And anyone who's got any insight, anyone who's ever tried, to get the gospel to the ends of the world takes money. Huge amounts of money. Now, I could take it. You see, here's the thing. Let's imagine I did take up. I'm not taking an offering today, I promise. I'm saying that. And I'm just going, God, keep me going. 
But if I took an offering today, and I preached on giving sacrificially, I mean, I, I went old school Pentecostal, all crying, and everyone gives every penny they've got, everything, everyone gives everything they've got, we have this pile in the room of everybody's money. Between the hundred and something people in this room right now, that's not enough to change the world. It's not enough. To give, God rejoices with cheerful givers. But just to give everything is not enough. You know, if we all just gave right now until, I mean, it really hurt us tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you should do that. If God tells you to do that, obey God, but I'm not saying you should do that. But there wouldn't be enough money. There might be enough money to buy Lee a new fishing rod. But it wouldn't be enough to evangelize the world. So what God has in mind for us to do as a church cannot be accomplished by sacrifice. It's not enough. There has to be a dreaming of more wealth. Take the wealth of the world. But right now, the wealth of the world is in the hands of the ungodly people. But it's being laid up for the righteous. We need that money so we can go and build some churches, train some Christians over the world, pay for some evangelists to go somewhere. It's going to take more money than we have right now. So, as part of our job, as Christians, we need to form immense images about how much money there is in the world. And you need to realize there's not a shortage going on in the world. And that's one of those things that the devil hits us with, you know, and the media hits us with, shortage, shortage, shortage. Listen, I used to work for a technology shop in retail, selling technology stuff. I won't name the name of the brand. It's gone under now. Not because I worked there, I promise. But one day I was there in the shop. And I once sold Russ Abbott a TV. You know that. So who's Russ Abbott? Don't worry. <laughs> And so this sheikh came in. You know one of these um, sort of Saudi princes? And he came in with his bodyguards and he came into the shop and he bought one of every kind of video camera we sold. He spent £55,000. Just bought one of every video camera we sold. Do you know what that did? That actually cost me my bonus for the month. <laughs> it's true. Because our bonus was on how many items we sold and got the cover for, the insurance for. That's how they worked out a monthly bonus. And when you sell £55,000 worth of video cameras to a guy who doesn't care about insurance because if he smashed it, he's just going to buy another one. You lost your bonus for the month. That was, but I'm so glad you bought all these cameras. Our store's a lot better off, but I'm £300 down. Thank you. Bless you. And I was talking to someone about that recently, and they were telling me a story about one of these other Saudi princes, and uh, I forgot what country he's from. But wherever country he's from, there's no McDonald's in that country. So about once every couple of months, he just gets his kids on his private jet, flies to a country with McDonald's, and eats McDonald's. That's some money! I know people have got private jets. I know a few preachers got private I know how much it costs to fuel those things. It's more than you might think. And so, why am I telling you this? Because there's no shortage of money in the world. So there can't be a shortage of money in our images. The world we live in has no shortages. And anyone who says so doesn't understand God made this planet. He's not stupid. Well, maybe he didn't understand the population. Listen, the population is a lot less than what it should be. God designed a world where everyone lived forever. We have a world where people kill each other and fight wars and all sorts of stuff. 500 babies are killed before they're born every day in the UK. God didn't design for that kind of world. And he gave, most of us don't realize how much wealth there is on the planet right now. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching on that next week. 
But God, I want you to understand God created a world of abundance. And I need you to understand two things that help you create these immense images. Number one, God put a lot of wealth in the world. And two, there's an urgency that we as the Christians have that wealth so we can go and preach the gospel to every creature. Most Christians, their ability to imagine ends about 20% more than what they're earning right now. Maybe I'll get a newer car. Maybe I'll get a second car. And I start talking like this. Well, I'm blessed. I don't need any more. This message is not for me. Listen, it's great when you've got your needs met. It's great when you're blessed. And um, it's great when your standard of living is acceptable. But there's uh, several billion people right now who are living in a wretched state. Some of them are poor. Some of them are rich, but they're still in a wretched state because they don't know Jesus. And they don't know the good news. They're living without a wonderful, glorious king. And they don't know how to live a life of kingdom principles. And I know so many pastors and ministers, they speak to me, and the number one reason they're not doing everything God's called them to do is a lack of funding. Just go on a journey with me, just for a second. Just imagine you woke up tomorrow, and for whatever reason, there were millions in your bank account tomorrow morning. Millions of pounds. More than you could ever need for the rest of your life. No more debt, you've got passive income for life, it's all sorted. And you've still got millions left over. Wouldn't you spend the rest of your life looking for the best ways to invest that money to, to, to extend the kingdom of God? So I'm going to just spend the rest of my life working on how to invest. Who's teaching the word? How are we going to get this out? How are we going to feed people who wouldn't be fed? You'd be praying in tongues every day. God, I need wisdom. Now listen. That's how you would be with much so why aren't you going to be like that today with the extra £10, the extra £100, the extra £1,000? Because he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. I want you to take that attitude and take it to what you have right now. The idea that all I need is for me is actually selfish. Just bless me, Lord. Just give me enough for me and Amanda and Adam and Joel and Reuben and Lydia. That's enough, Lord. Is that all you can dream on? Is that all you want to help? Just everyone else in the church is coming to church hungry. And, you know, what if we get people to start coming to church who are hungry, poorly clothed? Oh, that's nice. Be blessed. We need to be blessed. We can bless. And that's every area of our life. But specifically, you know, the church can't grow. How can the church minister on TV and Internet? We have hundreds of people watch our Internet services. Hundreds. How can we bless those people? Amanda met a lady this week, and she said, oh, I listen to Ben on TV all the time. She didn't even know the church was this local. We're blessing people, we're feeding people, we're helping people. I'm dreaming right now of a family of churches, no debt, assets, bombarding the earth with the gospel, producing disciples, true disciples. I'm not happy with dreaming about just enough. I know God wants my cup to be running over. I know God wants me to be blessed, to be a blessing. I'm dreaming of tree of life churches that are giving birth to evangelists and prophets and apostles and teachers that go and reach the whole world. I'm dreaming of churches with the money to buy airtime to tell people about not news and drama, but Jesus. The good news. You know, I was uh, with Christopher Lamb in London uh, a few years ago, just before lockdown. And uh, he said, Ben, we're meeting a a businessman. And this man came in. I've never seen anyone so well-dressed in my life. And he sort of glided into the room. And he sat down with us. And he told us his story. 
his parents were pastors, an Indian man, and his parents were an Indian family, and he grew up in South Africa. There's quite a few Indians in South Africa. And his pa- parents were pastors at this Indian church in South Africa. And he said, I loved Jesus growing up. And I loved church, but I hated guest speakers. He said, I hated all guest speakers. And he said, I decided by the age of eight or nine, I hated all guest speakers. Because every time a guest speaker would come, my mum and dad would give the guest speaker the whole offering. He'd come stay in the house, he'd eat all our food, and there'd be no money for my parents next week. And my parents would go days without food every time a guest speaker came. He said, so my experience of guest speakers was my parents making me food but going hungry. He says, I hated guest speakers. He says, and you came to my parents' church once. And I'm like, oh, I hate guest speakers, another guest speaker. He says, and you took my parents out and did a shop for them. And you realized the church didn't have much money. You didn't take any money off them. And you took them out for dinner. You fed them. You gave me money. You gave my parents money. He says, I loved you. And I appreciate you. Well, this guy is now working for one of the big law firms in London. And he says, I want to fund your next four crusades. How much is a crusade, Christopher? And Christopher said, I can't, currently our crusades cost about £25,000 each to run. And he got his checkbook out and he wrote a check for £100,000. And he gave it to Christopher Lamb and then he was on his way. Now, I could do the same thing, but it would bounce. <laughs> <laughs> So I asked Christopher, I said, how many people got saved in those four crusades? He said, around 30,000 people. That's, that's, there's nowhere, there's nowhere better to put 100,000 pounds in the gospel. Now, I bet if somebody had that money spare, you'd do the same. So what are we doing with the money we have spare now? And, and listen, I'm talking about immense images. We're talking about immense images all year. So let me add a caveat right now, today. So I'm not get you shouting. But listen, at the end of the day, it's not the amount that matters. I'm talking about big amounts to inspire you to dream bigger. But I don't ever want to create an environment where we put unduly emphasis on people who've got a bit of money. James talks about that, doesn't he? I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be preferential. You know, you could have two coins. That's all you've got. And if you gave that, you would outgive everyone in the room. Because it depends on what's left, not what you give. It depends on the heart. And that's never going to change. But I'm telling you now, we are entering a season where it's going to be more than just a couple of coins for a lot of us. There's going to be money that's going to get people saved, money that's going to finance world evangelism. Can you have a bigger image than getting the whole world to hear the gospel? Is that the most immense image we can have in our mind? Could that be every end of the earth? I mean, if you're going to dream of world mission and world evangelism, you've got to have an image that's got people from every tribe, every tongue, every people, giving them the gospel. Isn't that what heaven's going to be like? Giving everyone the Bible in their own language? I went to Liberia last year. Oh my goodness, the need for just the Bible just broke me. They, they don't know anything because they just no one's taught them. We have a large job to do, saints. We need to dream big. But here's the good news. When God has a plan, God always empowers us to walk in the plan. How many of you know the same Jesus who, like Janet said, can take a you know, small amount of food and feed 5,000 people, can do something with what you have and use it to preach the gospel and feed the world? Remember last week I ended with launch out into the deep? Hasn't changed. Launch out into the deep. You go deep and you'll walk with God and you'll see catch like you've never seen before. I want you to understand the heart of what I'm trying to say to you. And the heart of what I'm trying to say, revias, that's the word we started off with last week. 
a cup that overflows. What I'm trying to say is this. Just believe in God for your cup to be full is not enough. Because then you can't help anyone. We need to believe for a cup that runs over. And you're not going to get from where you are to where you need to be in a day. Somebody said that about me the other day. They said, tree of life's kind of sprung up overnight, hasn't it, Ben? Yeah, longest night of my life. <laughs> but I want us to be in a place we can fund the local church, fund other teachers, other ministers, evangelize the world. When God says give that, you just give it, and we just keep evangelizing, we keep doing. And if you go, yeah, immense images, and you've got an immense image of a Bentley, and you've got your Bentley on your dream wall, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. It was, I was telling a story last night in Nuneaton that I read. There was a businessman in California, and he had his dream wall. And he had a car and a house on his dream wall, among other things. Christian man, part of a local church. And he had this on his dream wall. And the pastor was telling the story. And there was a, he cut a picture of a house from a magazine from estate agents. And what happened was he moved jobs. When he moved jobs, he took down all the stuff from his office and packed it away. And it was all packed away. And then he moved house. And they got the stuff from the office and unpacked it. So he hadn't seen this wall for about four or five years. Hadn't seen the stuff on it. He got out and his little boy grabbed the wall. He says, Dad, why have you got a picture of our house on this wall from years ago? And he said, no, it's not our house. It's just a house like our house. It's a picture I've been using to dream about this house. And the little boy goes, no, look, the house had a picture of the neighborhood in it. He says, Dad, this is our house. And he had a picture of the house. And he ended up moving into the house that he'd been dreaming of for days while he was sitting in his office. God works. But if all you get is the new house and the new car, you've got the oyster shell. You haven't got the pearl. The pearl is that we can change the world for Jesus. The pearl is that we can reach people and change lives and help feed the poor. And, you know, I'll I'll leave it till next week to talk about how much immense wealth there is in the world. Just to try and help provoke you to develop these immense images. But I want you all to realize today, I need immense images. Because there's an immense task. Our task... Listening to a lot of Reinhard Bonnke recently, most of it channeled through my son. Our task is to populate heaven and depopulate hell. That's a huge task. And we can all go out there today and win one person each, and that's awesome, and disciple them, and that's awesome. We'll win the world. But there's so many ways that we can reach people. And we need to get the gospel out to the whole world. So we need to start dreaming big. And it's okay to dream of being blessed. I'm not against you being blessed. But if all you believe for and all you receive this year is a full cup, you choked. Because God wants your cup to be running over. He wants your life to be saturated. He wants people to knock past you in the street and get healed. He wants you to be able to say to somebody, such as I have, I give to you. He wants someone to say, yeah, it costs 25000 to pay for a crusade. Let's take up an offering right now. And you say, don't take up an offering. I got it. I'll take care of that, please. Can I get into that? Can I get... And someone else goes, well, I'll take care of the next one then. And I want to get to the place that Moses got to. Where he stood up and he said, okay, guys, can we stop the offering now? You had your chance to give too late. Can you imagine a pastor actually saying that? I'd, I'd take a lot of money before I said stop it. <laughs> i got big dreams. You know, there's, there's people, I spoke to somebody recently. I don't speak to people on the street as much as my wife does. That's her lane. And if we're together, I'd rather let her do it because she's better at it than I am. But I was speaking to somebody on the street not that long ago. And they were born again. 
friends that were born again, they were from Nigeria, they've lived in London for 10 years. And they said, I've seen the adverts, I've seen the billboards for Truth Life. He says, but I don't go to a church unless it has its own building. I says, why not? He said, because I've been to churches before, and in one church in particular, the church was there, it was there, it was there, and then it was gone. Just stopped suddenly. He said, and they just turned up the next week and it wasn't there. And I hadn't found somewhere, I just stopped meeting. He said, so I have a rule now, if it doesn't have a building, I don't want to go there. I thought, how many more people are not coming here? We've been here for 12 years, we're not going anywhere. But I said, Lord, I want my own building. Lord, I want a, a place where we can have heal the nations in case of sin. We invest and we can do things. Just, wouldn't it be nice to come every week, Daniel, and the flag's already up? <laughs> That'd just be lovely. You know, all the stuff's set up and everything's there. And But also, it's about, that, that's true spiritual warfare, by the way. You know, yelling at the devil in tongues for eight hours. Why are you yelling at the devil in tongues? Fellowship with God in tongues. You know, that's not spiritual warfare. But true spiritual warfare is when we own something of the land. Hey, Satan, that's our land now. This is going to be used for the kingdom. You can't touch it. Your will will never be done in this place again. You know, we've got to leave here, and they're going to pray some film that's going to have some swear words and some rudeness and some all sorts of stuff in it. But, you know, we have our own place. It's ours. It's going to be for the kingdom every minute of every day. And Satan, you've lost this square footage on planet Earth. And that's why he's so opposed to any Christian having property. Because he likes to think he's the God of this world. Jesus. Father, help us. Help us develop immense images. Not just for ourselves, but to help others. So that we can give and invest and sow and love and do whatever it is you've called us to do. Lord, we want to thank you right now that we're blessed. But Lord, we want to thank you that we're blessed to be a blessing. And Father, even before we leave this place today, show us someone we can bless. Help us have that heart of David. Is there anyone in that house of Jonathan that I can just do some good for? Help us realize that everything we have. Lord, I pray particularly for those who you are challenging to sow a seed right now. Lord, that they would walk in faith and give what you've told them to give, whatever that is. Lord, I also pray for those who have sown their seeds. They've sent their boats out and cast their bread in the waters, and they're waiting for their ship to come in. Lord, I pray for them to be able to stand in patience. And having done all to stand, stand, and keep that door open and keep confessing the word and keep trusting you so they will see their harvest in the land of the living. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Praise God. You want to say something? Go for it. Here. Awesome. I don't need heels to do this. I was listening to Ben, and actually just the Spirit of the Lord really just hit me. <laughs> I know, you know, you don't always need to be motivated with tears and stuff. But you know, we're here for one lifetime. One lifetime. Amen. One lifetime to know Jesus. One lifetime to share him. 
one lifetime. One lifetime for you to share Jesus. One lifetime for our nation to be changed. So I just I felt as well when Ben was preaching. Many of us have heard this message of finances of different things before. And the Lord is saying, celebrate my word. Mm. Don't tolerate my word. That's good. Don't tolerate or despise the one that's sending the word, that's preaching the word. I want you to celebrate my word. That's what I really sense the Father saying. In patience, we celebrate. So I want to ask, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, Mm. or you're here to recommit your life to Christ, this is the day to do it. If you're hearing it, hearing my voice, if you're hearing my voice, you're hearing the Lord. He is saying, I love you. I love communing with you. He's saying, son, daughter, we just pick it up where we once were. Mm. You don't have to perform. You just walk with me. So let's bow our heads and let's say, Father, Father, we recommit our lives to you. We recommit our lives to you. To make Jesus known. To make Jesus known. And to follow what you desire. And to follow what you desire. We ask that you be our Lord. We ask that you be our Lord. And you be our Saviour. And you be our Saviour. And we repent of living our own ways. And we repent of living our own ways. We set our face like flint. We set our face like flint. And we celebrate you. And we celebrate you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Amanda. You know, Amanda's right. In all our discussions about end times that I talked about, people ask me a lot, do you think this is the last generation? I don't know. But I know this, it's my last generation. I've got one life, and you've got one life. It's your last generation. This isn't a dress rehearsal. This is it. This is the thing. So let's really think about that and hold those images up. And I'm not trying to put heavy on anyone. I want you to win. I want you to win every area of your life. Amen. Awesome. Have a great evening, and we'll see you all soon. Cheers.